If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Welcome back to The Change Physician. I'm Melissa Katie, the Challenge Doctor, with my co-host from the West Coast, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, bringing you some Saturday salutations. And of course, we're always liking to uh, say hi to everyone and not just update what's going on in the podcast, but chat about random events, including, I think we mentioned last time, Kevin, that we would talk about our progress on our, our goal setting that we, we had did. Mentioned. We did indeed. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what the change physician is all about, you can go to thechangephysician.com and learn more about us and what we've been up to the last few years since pretty much the pandemic. Uh, we have been going and going. So right now we've just been doing Saturday salutations and some lives. And there's a plethora of interviews that you can always access um, on YouTube or on the multiple sources of podcast venues. So um, you want to mention what you uh, were striving for? Um, recently sure i mean i'm almost done sharing these Doing your sharings <laughs> yeah okay. yeah I, I think the weirdest thing is i don't get a like when we start it doesn't really give me a um notice a notice anymore uh. Uh, facebook is so weird it really is just bizarro but anyway um <laughs> it's a full-time so, job to keep up with what's going on in facebook yeah and actually um so this goes back into September and I can't remember if we did an episode on it or a Saturday salutations, but we were, we were talking about some, like basically some health goals that we had. Yeah. And, um, and then I was like, well, how are we supposed to share this? But then I found a calendar, uh, our hundredth day of, from when we said we were going to do this is actually going to be December 14th. Oh, wow. Uh, which is interesting. Anyway. So flying by. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? I mean, it's been almost a hundred days. Like that's literally only like three weeks away from here, you know, not less less yeah. than a month. And um, so we talk a lot about health. We talk about a little simple kind of change things that you can do. And my big one that happened in the beginning of September was I was starting to have frustration with I wasn't losing weight. Yeah. Like, and I'm not a big weight guy, like actual yeah. what your scale thing is. Um but it was getting a little frustrating. And I think the, the biggest issue for me was um, I had done a lot of compos like bodily recomposition over the last two years where I'm gaining a lot more muscle, but the overall weight wasn't going down. So now I, and I know I've, you know, we all know we have yeah. to lose some stuff. So I finally was like angry. I'm like, I'm going to do what basically all the evidence says is I'm actually going to start track, tracking my intake. And specifically, I was looking at my macros. Mm -hmm. um, and it is it is always, always interesting to me. It's like, just go look what the best practice is and just do it. Yeah. And like everything when it comes to particularly losing weight is you need to track what you're eating. And you can be as simple as writing it down or taking photos of your food every day. I was a little bit more extensive and I, um, I put it in a book. Nice. So I che checked out my my um you know amount of calories you use those little caloric calendar things it's like what's your weight where do you want to go how much activity you do per week and it gives you the rough estimate and then i also load heavy on the protein because mm -hmm. um i'm trying to gain muscle mass at the same time and um 
so it's high protein, basically high, high carbohydrates and low fat, which is kind of the traditional thing versus the high fat thing that, you know, with the keto and all that stuff. Yeah. So all that to say is in the last 12 months, I've lost, or not the last 12 months, the last three months, I've actually lost 12 pounds and I have not lost any strength. In fact, I am oh, stronger now congrats. than I started. Yeah, it is. Um, it's pretty cool. So I, I had this, and this is with travel. So we were gone for roughly, roughly two weeks to Europe and Iceland and then back and then to Chicago. So even with the travel and all that stuff, it, it's, uh, yeah. So I'm really happy with the progress on it. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about more, but I'll, I'll let you go because I have some other little things that I've done with it that kind of help this process. Mine's not as exciting as yours. Um, I've I've had uh, my my little pull up challenge. Um, I'll just say, and this is a perfect example of sometimes it's like, I think I can, I think I can. Like you have spurts and you do well, and then you just like forget, or you travel, or you, um, or you are uh, just forgetful. <laughs> Um, but I was doing, um, I know that I'm, I improved my strength a little bit, um, with the base of the pull-up bar in the doorway of my office. So that way it's like in my face. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was doing it pretty well. Like I could tell that I'm stronger because I, I can actually go up a little slower without using momentum, um, and go down um, slowly versus fast towards the ground. Um, so my strength has improved a little bit with, you know, several days I miss and then I'll do one, um, or I'll do a couple, I usually do a couple sets of 15. Um, and obviously I'm touching the ground. I'm not quite at that point where I can just transition. Um, I don't want to cause injury. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking the adaptation approach and and being um, smart about um, how long it takes me to go up and down and over time lengthen that so I get stronger. So my strengths improved a little bit. I have not been um, perfect every day doing it, but I've also just started up with doing some um, uh, lower body strengthening too. So overall, my my goal, especially when I hit the 50 days until I turn 50, um, I want to be like super hardcore then. Um, when so. do you turn 50? April 9th. April, oh, okay. I'm a year older than yeah. you. Huh. Yeah. You only look 10 years younger than me. So, as you know. Oh, please. Yeah, it's no. true. It's true. I don't think so. I don't I've think got, so. I've turned, you know, since I don't have really hair anymore. And once you're bald, you're like <laughs> are eternally 60, which isn't fun. And when you're not 60, but when you're 90, <laughs> it'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah. yeah. It'll be great. You know, I, my grandfather and my uncle were bald and, uh, I, I just I remember one time seeing him at a distance. I'm like, who are those two guys? They look the same age. And it was my grandfather and my uncle. And yeah. He was about 90 and my grandfather and my uncle was about 75 or something. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to for me. <clears throat> but right now, unfortunately, looking 60 when you're 50 is just not as cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I did want to add a couple of things here. So kind of the, we've talked about habits and tied to juice change. I think the biggest things, the biggest takeaways for this for anybody is, is really there's two major behavioral points with any sort of behavioral change. And that's all about friction. It's like, can we reduce friction or we can increase motivation and reducing friction for the long term to me is probably one of the better ones. 
um, motivation, obviously you have to have some of that, but anything you can do to make the process easier is mm -hmm. key. And what I like about your pull-up thing is putting the bar, like literally where you can't pass it, yeah. right? You have to see it. And yeah. that makes you do the, what I call the old, um, if I choose not to do it is because I'm lazy, right? Yeah. It's so simple and stupid. Then you, and, and that's okay. But as long as you're actively saying, cause I, I cannot stand it when, oh, I just don't have time and I don't have this or, oh, blah, 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 blah. It's like, everybody's got the same 24 hours in a day. How you yeah. prioritize it is one thing. And when you sort of rationalize it that you have no time, then you really are putting yourself in the corner where you can't institute the change. So, um, Anyway, that's that's like my big thing. And you can say if you were busy, but you could still prioritize this stuff. So I love that. And then um, when it came to tracking macros, like literally writing the things down was really important. Uh, and it kind of got repetitive because I was writing a lot of the same things. Yeah. Um, but it makes you notice them. And the other part that was really useful for me is basically kind of was teaching me uh, portions. Because when you when you haven't been monitoring it, it and in your living in the United States where there's so much food around, um, it is really easy to eat a lot more than you need. Yeah. And um, and so the the initial part of tracking that was really useful. And then the second part was because tracking was um sort of a pain when it came to Figuring out what to eat, like looking up, okay, this piece of bread's this, this chicken is this, 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 and doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, within two weeks, what I really was like, okay, I need to make this even easier. So then I was in the process of trying to make a daily menu. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to be what I set to eat every day. And that way I don't have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, again, trying to make it super easy. And what I stumbled into, and I don't think we've ever talked about this yet, um, was these companies that make these, uh, I don't want to call them supplements. I don't want to call them meal replacements, but they kind of are that. It's where they have kind of made nutrition easy. Mm -hmm. The one that I didn't know did this, but it was the first company I realized once I kind of looked into this, because I've heard the name all over the place, is a company called Soylent. Have you seen them? I think you mentioned this to yeah. on a previous... Like, well, because it was because it's weird, right? They would have all these commercials and it was like Soylent, you know, they're advertising this food. And it was completely obvious that whoever created this company was young because they the first thing when I hear Soylent, the first thing I hear is Charlton Heston screaming, you know, Soylent Green is people from this movie where Soylent Green was this food. And it yeah. ended up to be people that they were eating because they didn't have enough. Right. So yeah. probably don't shouldn't do that. Uh, it happens that the name is because their two protein sources are soy and lentils that mm -hmm. they put them together. Yeah. Now, regardless, what um, I found was a different company called Huel, H-U-E-L, which is a combination of human and fuel. And they started off with a protein, but not a protein, um, but it's basically this powder that they take a bunch of, mostly, but I mean, it's all, it's like vegan, gluten-free, the vast majority of it. So there's a bunch of vegetables and then they make it. So the macros line up to their predictable macros. Mm -hmm. So I got, I started um, introducing their drink and I got the one that was protein heavy. So it was the black. And then um, I was also interested in their, they have these bags that you kind of, they're like dehydrated foods, basically like you would go camping with. But again, the primary reason was the macros were counted on these things. Mm -hmm. 
So I then could just take this food and I know what the macro count is. Yeah. And then I could add things easily, like right. uh, like you need tuna or you can add some canned chicken or something. And it just made the process stupid simple. Hmm. And I, I shouldn't say stupid simple because you still have to put it in the thing and mix it or whatever. And that has been, um, it's just a game changer for me. Mm. Uh, it, it has transformed the way I eat. So I don't like when we go traveling, I will still eat. Uh, but because this is pretty almost, and I was pretty pro protein based before. Now I'm pretty much, or not protein, plant-based. Mm -hmm. Now I'm plant-based, but I eat a lot of dairy because I'm still trying to supplement the protein because their macro counts are not really as protein friendly as saying adding a lot of protein to it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's it. I, I mean, I'm eating most of this stuff and then if we do something special like Thanksgiving, I'll just eat like normal for Thanksgiving or whatever. Yeah. And, um, but what I notice is I'm fuller sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, I, because I have defined meals, I eat that and I'm fine. Like I don't overeat anymore. Right. There's a lot of days I actually eat less than my macro count, which is, which I try not to do because I'm not trying to do this. I'm trying to kind of do that gentle landing with that versus these big mm -hmm. precipitous drops or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I put it basically as the way this stuff is spacing. It's just like, I'm just not hungry anymore. Right. Right. And I feel great. That's the, that That's... was the other thing. Like, so whether or not this is, I mean, cause so feeling good is a completely subjective thing. Yeah. And when you're moving into the subjective realm, which we've kind of hit around here, which include things like pain and nausea and fatigue and all this stuff. Um, there's, it is very difficult to say cause and effect because it there it, it could be yes your meals change but it could be that you're feeling good about yourself there could be an improved locus control your you know your perception of of what you're doing may be improving all those impact your actual feelings of goodness right um, but I'll take it because it doesn't really matter right and so <laughs> I don't feel I, like before I would feel um and I didn't eat crappy before this is the thing that just blew my mind yeah it, but I would get tired at the in the middle of the day if I, once I did my workout, I would feel great. And then I would crash and I still feel tired here and there, but I don't feel that exhaustion anymore, Yeah, which, which is, um, uh, it, it is anyway. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy and I'm going on my goal. I've got another like, uh, 15, 18 pounds to my, to my goal. And then I have about five or 10, maybe from there for over the next year or so. But, um, so we'll see. We'll see how the holidays awesome. go. And it has been cool. So for those out there who are interested in behavioral change, I'm going to just say there's a couple of things. Always pay attention to friction, make it super simple, simple. And, and then just look at the evidence. I mean, this is, I can't yeah. tell you, like I've done the keto and I've done this and everything's like, yeah. you can eat whatever you want. If you do this, I think we have the, I, I'm just at bullshit. It's, it's bullshit. Like, <laughs> And I, and another part of that is because I, I started looking at it and you look at more than more of the data yeah. and all this, and it, there may be something with insulin levels or blah, blah, blah. But when you actually look at the unbiased data, it tends to be calories, no matter how you do it. If you have less in than out, people tend to lose weight. And with these keto things is people tend to not eat the same, usually because they have a sense of fullness, which is an important thing. And so they eat less. So um, anyway, just pay attention to data and don't get caught up as in much of the hype. I think that is like my biggest takeaway is I'm always like, what does the data say? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you've inspired 
Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go. No, no. I, just, I was just gonna say it just gets frustrating because then you always hear the anecdotes and blah blah blah. It's like anecdotes is not evidence. It's just yeah. an anecdote. Well, you've inspired me to to continue to uh, uh, seek out uh, more understanding of the macros and and maybe designing my 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 days around that. But um, yeah, I think my first agenda is to get more active and strong, um, which makes the engine and furnace um, demand more. <laughs> um, input but the type of input is really important so well i um, and i will add to that i've actually changed my activity level too mm -hmm. so i dropped my activity level mm -hmm. while i was doing this because i was concerned of being not necessarily overactive but i didn't want to lose muscle mass and uh -huh. so before i would do like my workouts i'd have three days well a year ago i was doing four days and i dropped to three days and then I was doing three days and I'm like, oh, I need more activity because I need to lose weight. And so I was adding in a bunch of walking on the other days. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I I just do my exercise and then I'm very mindful of my rest periods. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, anyway, so I just got to throw that out there as well. Please. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many components. Um, awesome. Well, I, I need to... Uh, up the ante a little bit uh for myself um which is this part of life there's a lot of us that have things we want to achieve and we may uh hiccup towards them and then finally get focused but um like like you said kevin it's you got to make it a priority um no matter what well and make it a priority it's i guess i, I have a lot of things i've prior prioritized or said it was important and they fall by the wayside and um and rather I, I guess that's a big thing for me is I just having a greater appreciation of friction has been really, really critical. Make to, it convenient. <laughs> you just gotta you just make it make the make the choice that you want to make the easiest, the choice that's so simple to do that you can't that if you're not gonna make it, it's because you have to actively not make the choice, if that makes sense. Rather than the default. So much of our default behavior is default just does whatever we do and then we're like well i want to do this but i'm going to use all this cognitive energy and demand and say i i, I have to, i'm going to want to do it and so i'm going to do this and that just doesn't work um yeah. i kind of tell my one of the things i've told my kids and maybe it doesn't make any sense but it makes sense to me is i go really success comes from doing the things that you want to do when you don't want to do them exactly and um and that's just making it easy like Everybody says they want to get in shape. Well, you have to do that even when you don't want to. You just got to make it so you can't not to. If that, anyway. Yeah. But you I, can. Almost feel, I almost feel like, uh, you know, you talk about wealth and, um, you know, you a lot of times you create a system for wealth. Um, you see the people who are the wealthiest, they have a system. There's some system in place to create that even when they're sleeping. And then even for your health, create a system that makes it hard to fail. Like make it design it in a way that it's convenient there's less friction like you said and the strategy is um backed up by some evidence or is effective so systems are key in fact there's a book um the system that like here's an example put your water right in front of you where you can reach it <laughs> and you start drinking more water 
Yeah. So there was a, there, just remind me of a book, and I have not read this book. I've just read summaries of it. Mm-hmm. But the the um it was called the system of the system the success system that never fails by W. Clement Stone, who you know was one of these guys in the early nineteenth twentieth century. Blah 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 was did all this stuff and became fabulously wealthy or blah, blah, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it, it became very successful wealth in a wealth standpoint, I think his relationships were a total mess. So that's one thing you can have a lot of success in one and mess up the other. Yeah. But I, I, rem, I remember this book because someone basically said, they mentioned this book that the success system that ne- that never fails and go the secret, like the secret is the, is the actual name of the book. Mm-hmm. because it was a system you know and that i, I do um got all this i wish we could redo our lives sometimes because it's like all this stuff is like systems is like how it, it is so cruel cr- crucial is just devise the system to for the outcome that you want yeah and that is is literally it like you said for 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 wealth you know, there are people have systems for business. How do you, um, uh, you know, whatever your primary endpoint is, attracting the customer, converting a customer, what your sales process is, is whatever. Um, from a personal standpoint, is like paying yourself first. Is like the always pay yourself first, and um, you know, and, and put that stuff on autopilot. It's the same thing. Is just make it as little friction as possible. Take money out of your account before you even see it, and create that sort of system, and it works. Now. Um, relationships. I don't have a system for that yet. <laughs> That's I, what I'd say. That's yeah. I'm looking. Here. How do we systemize that one? Um, yeah, that would be very curious. I think yeah. I don't have a system. Any anyone listening, feel free to uh, pipe up and uh, share any uh, systems that uh, seem effective for connections, relationships. Um, yeah, you don't have any. I'm waiting for you to. Oh, I I mean, I think that's where I probably struggle the most if I'm going to pick an area. Um, you know, I I think up to the pandemic, uh, health-wise, I wouldn't say I'm like a perfect eater by any means, uh, even though people, like, I've been accused that people think that I'm eating uh, perfectly, eating perfectly. I'm like, no, just because I was strong and I, I looked lean doesn't mean that I was perfectly eating. Um, I was, you know, I was very active. Um and my combination of factors in my life, I was, you know, um, I was able to maintain that. Um, now it's uh, after the last few years, I'm like, okay, kind of, I kind of slipped into a, you know, this ease and, and a little bit more laziness, but, um, but I definitely like to be strong, but I would say that, um, and wealth stuff, I would say, you know, from the outside, people might say, oh, you're, you know, a physician, you're successful, all this stuff, but there's a wide range of what physicians make and um but truly wealthy people which i think i'm still learning and working on other systems that you can not always exchange your time for money i think physicians are like the worst at that i mean as far as creating systems of wealth if you're not gonna go outside just your career depending on what your your goals are um but connections i think that's like the biggest challenge um but I think it also kind of depends on what you were surrounded by growing up. You might have created, implemented systems that were very effective. You may have been very close to a lot of members of your family and or, you know, create experiences and moments. I think you have to kind of create times to connect and to be around other people. Um, it's very easy for me to be a loner. So, Kevin, it's hard for me to say I have a great system. 
um you know i i have a husband and i think we have great communication am i perfect um you know no um but friendships and stuff i have a lot of colleagues and friends but i don't spend a ton of time with a lot of people it's just i keep myself so busy and that's not always a good thing um so i don't think i'm answering your question kevin but um yeah, i think i think you, you're just saying it's just something to struggle with. and I, I do think in this day and age it is um and I think there is some data, you know, this whole epidemic of loneliness or whatever. Uh, I don't think everybody needs a hundred million friends. I think that is no. those are acquaintance or anything else like that. And I think some of us need more or less. Um, uh, you know, if you're introverted, you need less. It's but it is the quality. I was actually just looking at Absolutely. this again today. Is the the data between um, quality connections and health is pretty profound. Yes. So. Um, for anybody out there listening, this is this is an underappreciated aspect of your overall health and well-being yeah. is the quality of connections. And I have, um, you know, talking about things that haven't played out that way you wanted to. Uh, I don't. What was my little five-year journal thing, which we've talked about a couple times? Yeah. And it has been um, like at least almost two years. I've been putting at putting yeah periodic moments of that and i've been trying some different things but i definitely don't have a system yet yeah um well i will say that the one system that is of benefit in evidence is that married people assuming it's a healthy relationship there is a huge benefit if that connection is you know of good quality um so i would say if i was single i probably would favor more time outside the home than I, you know, currently do, even if I do like, you know, my own time. So I'm kind of, you know, um, there, there's an advantage sometimes of just having that relationship with you at all times. And <laughs> you could, you know, at times you might get on each other's nerves or need your know, personal time. That's another, another issue. But <clears throat> in general, I feel like that system of marriage is, has a protective benefit, um, for people that are in healthy relationships, but I would say that uh, I also feel that it's important to spend some quality time with friends because if your spouse passes, you don't have them around and you've only put on that energy into one relationship. I don't think that's um, beneficial to you as a person, individual, like you need to have, you know, your system of either just some, some very close friends of great quality. And then, you know, maybe some peripheral friends that just enjoy similar things that you do or whatnot that give you a lot of satisfaction or joy. And then you have your home, you know, I just feel like having kind of like those various layers and levels of support from a community and being connected to them in some capacity, whether deep or superficial, I think that is kind of a, a system in a way, um, if you want to call it that. So I don't know what you think about that. No, no, I think that I mean I think that's definitely a having a network of I almost looked it sounded like almost like a conveyor belt was the first thing yeah. that, not a conveyor belt, but there's like this range, right? And then if people drop off, then there's there's yeah. replacements yeah, that can safety come in. Net. It's <laughs> it's like a safety net. Yeah, safety net. And uh and that's true. Okay, I look at somebody like again, like my grandfather, who is probably the most important male figure in my life. And um and and he had this a very large network of people and was very intimately involved with a lot of people's lives. And he was also very healthy and 
then the first set of friends died off. And then he had a second set of friends that were probably 10 years, 20 years younger than him. And then that set of friends died off. And I really think it was after the second set and, um, you know, some my grandmother's health issues is when he really started withdrawing. And then you could almost see this kind of precipitous decline mm. uh, that occurred yeah. with it. And yeah. um, so I kind of think about that too, is it, it, you got to be able to, well, as, as long as it's feasible and as long as you're happy doing so to continue to, you know, maintain this network, but then have a way for people to get in there because you're going to lose. I've lost yeah. um, more people than I want to, uh, than I should have <laughs> I yeah. think, from both um, permanent causes and things that shouldn't be permanent. And I'm not exactly sure why, uh, what happened there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's anyway. It's, it's something I want to work on, continue to work on, and I'm still haven't figured out. So again, the listeners out there, if you have some magic, magic uh, uh, systems and some processes to make this as frictionless or as um, uh, a way to try it, then let us know. Cause I always yeah. can use any hints we can get on that one. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, there's a lot of continuity type physicians out there that, you know, get a lot of gratification from the relationships they have in their profession, but you know, that has kind of like that professional barrier too, that, you know, typically you maintain it and it's something you, it's a different level, um, than your other relationships. But, um, so uh, definitely a lot of layers to that. It, might, it makes you think of the gobstopper, you know, like, you know, oh, the everlasting gobstopper, you just keep looking, <laughs> have all these layers, but, you know, obviously <laughs> social media reveals that if you have just peripheral non-quality relationships and that's all you have, that's not healthy. Um, because you need to have a connection at least with one person or two. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's the big difference for the social media stuff, because as we've also talked about, there's a lot of demonization of social media. If you're looking at, at social media as an external kind of marker of what you should have or what other ha people have or a measure of success or whatever, like, because ev everybody's perfect on social media. Yeah. Oh, this person is this, and this person has more. Um that definitely is going to harm you. But there, I do think the goods of connection, it is so much easier to maintain connection, maintain some degree of connection with people now more than ever. Yeah. Um, I am not as active on Facebook as I used to be for many different reasons. And maybe I'm now I'm kind of like wondering if I maybe should have, should be more um, because I still have a lot of friends, like old friends that are on Facebook yeah. And even having those contacts in that is different. Now, if you've had a bunch of people that you friended that you've never really known or had anything, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, I mean, you might begin relationships that way, but usually they have to go offline to really kind of bring the depth to them that they need. Well, I, I, I would challenge that too. Um, because I think I bought this. I have a, a friend who I've never or face to face. Let's say that. I wouldn't even say face to face. This was literally game character to game character. I was playing a game in 2001, an online uh -huh. game that uh -huh. I'm not even sure if it exists anymore. Uh -huh. And um, there was a bunch of different people on this. It ended up, we had a lot of Europeans and one guy who I, I, I'm going to screw this up, Jave. If I don't think you watch this, but um, I think he's in, I think he's in Sweden and, uh, and we are friends on Facebook. Uh, I I literally can't tell you his name because I think of him as his character name, 
and uh and huh. his stuff comes up in the feed thank you and- for joining us today on the change physician podcast if you've enjoyed this episode please let us know by going to the and while you're there be sure to check out the free book giveaways guides and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at the 